0: The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. So nice to have you here today. Thank you for taking time out of this holiday season to be with us. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet one more time. I want to lead us in prayer on this 4th of July weekend. Certainly we are extremely grateful for America, our country, the liberties, the freedom we have, but we all know that our nation has many, many challenges that uh, we face. And I want to just lead us in prayer as we start our, our sermon time here together. Lord, your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Lord, we live with two truths. We are so grateful and thankful for America. We're grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy. We we are thankful for our armed servicemen and women who fight for our freedom. We are thankful for those who have Purchased our freedom with our own blood through many years of war and challenge. And so we're very, very thankful, but we're also, Lord, very prayerful for the many, many needs. There's so much confusion and chaos and difficulty and challenge, and it causes us worry and anxiety. But, Lord, we've learned through the years that it's better to come to you in prayer and seek your face and to lead the way by turning from our wicked ways asking for forgiveness for sins we've committed, and asking you, God, faithfully, day in and day out, that you will heal our land. God, we pray that you will do something extraordinary in America. We pray that you'll send revival to our land. We pray that people will come to find Christ as Savior through the most difficult, perilous times. We pray that people will somehow, way, turn to God, a God who loves them and loves our country and loves our world. He sent his own son to die for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen." Amen. You may be seated. Do pray tomorrow, do pray on Tuesday. Similarly, we need God to move in a powerful, powerful way. Well, just before we dive into the 23rd Psalm, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who served so faithfully at Vacation Bible School. We had an army of workers. It was absolutely amazing, and everyone worked so joyfully. I got to talk to most everybody, it seemed like, and the kids had the most fun you could imagine. They were just excited to be a part of it. Thank you for praying, thank you for giving financially to make it happen, thank you for serving. Would you put your hands together and just thank everybody for their faithful work for Vacation Bible School. I especially want to thank Pastor Lexi, who uh, led the charge and the great team that she assembled. How about a big hand for Lexi, everybody? And one more applause, how about all those kids that just got baptized, wasn't that exciting? Very excited. And if you have yet to be baptized, we want to include you in the next water baptismal service, so please be a part of that. I want to hit three things real quickly. It's summertime, everything is happening. You're busy, you're traveling, you're getting ready for vacation, or just coming back. But you know, you are a very smart group. Look at your neighbor and say, You are really smart. You can do two things at once. You can have a wonderful summer. And also get ready for the fall. How many know what I'm talking about? You say, well, we would expect Pastor Rob to say that. But I want to just encourage you to think about three things. One is we want to start 40 small groups this fall. Now, here's how it happens. Don't look to somebody else. Don't expect your neighbor to do it. Don't count on somebody else. You lead a group. I'm writing a study guide. I'm going to preach the sermons. I've got the hard job. I'm already building my group. You need to build a group. Here's how you do it. Decide you're gonna do it and find a friend. How many can find a friend? Let me see your hand. You're not raising your hand because you don't want to lead a group. Uh, How many can find a friend? How many can pick a pal? You find one person, that's two, okay? How many are good at math? You know, if two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. That comes from the Bible. You just need two. And then maybe if both of you pick a, a friend, now you're up to four. Do the math, this is fantastic. I need everybody to take it upon yourself to grow a group so we can build community and involve many other people. In fact, a big shout out to, to tradition service. I believe the tradition service can grow 40 groups all by themselves. How many in the main service agree with me on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let's get after it and make it our responsibility. Secondly. I want to encourage you, if you're new to our church or if you're trying to find your fit, place of involvement, place of service, I want you to join uh, the class that I kick off next Sunday at 9 o'clock in room 148, which is, boom, right across the hallway, that away next to the chapel. And uh, come, bring your kids. You know, we're going to it be very informal, and we're going to have conversations about what it means to be a servant leader, be involved in service here at BCA. The Bible says this, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. And every single one of us are gifted for greatness. We have been saved for significance. God wants to use us to be a blessing. We've been blessed to be a blessing. So we're gonna talk about those things starting next Sunday at nine o'clock right before the the morning service. And then finally, I just wanna give this uh, uh, encouragement. We are starting a new ministry we call the Levite Ministry. How many know that the Levites took care of the temple? Remember that in the Bible? And so we are really gearing up to do some improvements around the facility here, uh, end of the summer and into the fall, and certainly in the next new year. If you would like to be a part of uh, exterior, interior maintenance, work projects, please let us know about it. You can go to the QR code. You can fill out the connection card. We would love to include you in some of that work. God wants to use you in that way as well. Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known and potent scriptures in all the Bible. In fact, I believe that there are 17 different promises that God is making to you and me as we read through the 23rd Psalm. We're not gonna look at all of them, but by way of review, I wanna highlight what we talked about last week and then hit a couple more. If you walk through phrase by phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, that's the promise of personal relationship. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that's the promise of provision. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's the promise of rest. He leadeth me by the still waters. That's the promise of refreshment. He restores my soul. That's the promise of renewal or restoration. He guides me in paths of righteousness. That's the promise of guidance or direction or leading. For his name's sake, that's the promise of purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's the promise of comfort. I will fear no evil, the promise of overcoming, for you are with me the promise of God's presence. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the promise of protection. And that's what we're gonna look at here today. If you look at Psalm 23, verse four, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Last week I put a bunch of pictures up on the screen of of the the various wadis that you find in, uh, in Israel. In fact, if you go out into the desert, you'll find these deep ravines, if you remember from last week, and these deep valleys, and and the shepherds would lead their sheep on the mountaintop, then also into the valleys through those ravines. And those ravines were uh, uncertain. They were uh, dubious. They were dark. They were frightening. That's where, uh, you know, robbers could be, or predators, and uh, wild animals. And the shepherd had to protect the flock. Well, Life is full of wadis. The way of life is the way of the wadi. There's gonna be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of difficulty. Some of you are here today and you're going through a very difficult time right now. In fact, I remember talking to somebody here earlier this morning that, that spoke to that. You know, they're going through a really difficult time. And that was a really difficult noise, wasn't it? <laughs> right on cue, that was perfect. Couldn't have planned it any better. And so life is full of uncertainty, ambiguity, incongruity, uh, difficulty, pain, suffering. All of it happens at once. And so as we think of the shepherd, the ancient shepherd leading his sheep through those wadis, those deep, dark, damp ravines, it's really a metaphor for life. We have a good shepherd that will lead us through the most difficult challenges of life. The rod that we read about is a symbol of the Lord's strength and protection. It's a sturdy wooden stick used by the shepherd to fight off wild animals. We read about David and, and uh, how he fought off the lion and the bear. You know, no doubt he used the rod you know, to beat them off. It was also used to count the sheep. You can just imagine you know, trying to separate them as they're bunched together and he counted sheep. And, and, and I think that's a wonderful metaphor as well. The shepherd counted the sheep because all the sheep counted. God counts us because we count. You count. You matter to God. You matter greatly to God. Don't ever think anything other than that. You mean the world to the Lord. So it's a symbol of strength and protection is the rod. And then there's the, uh, the staff, you know, that long slender stick with the crook in the neck. You know, the ancient shepherd would use the rod to drive away the wild animal, and then he'd use the, the crook of the staff to rescue or rise up a fallen lamb. You know, a shepherd would use the staff, and it was a symbol of guidance. It was a symbol of guidance showing the way. It was a symbol of loving kindness. As we think of our good shepherd, and that's what the New Testament says about Jesus, he is our good shepherd. We think of a savior who protects us, who counts us, we matter to him, and a savior who guides us and leads us and shows loving kindness. One thing that we know about the Lord is that he guides, he provides, and he abides. He guides us. He's leading us in the right direction. He provides for us, not only green grass and still water, but, but the protection we need. And he abides with us. And I want you to think about that last one especially. His abiding presence means that he is always with you. When you walk through the wadis of life, the uncertainties, the ambiguities of life, he is always with you. Maybe you're like me and you think about scriptures like this frequently as you walk through uncertain times. I wanna encourage you, Jesus loves you more than you will ever know and he is with you always. He guides, he provides, he abides. How does God comfort us today? He's a God of comfort, we read that all through the scripture, how does God comfort us today? For the ancient shepherd, the rod and the staff were used to to provide comfort, you know, protection and, and guidance, leadership. You know, those kinds of things brought comfort to the sheep, even though they may not have been able to articulate it that way. Certainly it cared for them. How does God care for us? How does he bring comfort to us? Well, I want us to focus on three gifts that the Bible talks about. And the first one is this, the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit our comforter, our counselor, our advocate. In fact, if you look at John chapter 14, just a powerful, powerful chapter in the New Testament on the subject of the Holy Spirit and God's uh, love for us, you see that God speaks to us in that chapter about his promise. He speaks to us about his presence. He speaks to us about his peace, all of which bring comfort. Let me read a couple verses. Notice his promise. It says here in verses one through four, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so you may be where I am. How many are looking forward to heaven one day? How many want to go to heaven? You may be here today or listening online, and you may not know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. I want to tell you something. It is a great comfort To know where you're going. To be knowing where you're going. It is an extraordinary comfort to know that your sins are forgiven. To have the confidence when this life is over, I'm going to spend all eternity in heaven. That is a great comfort. And that's the comfort we have in Jesus Christ. And that's the comfort that the Holy Spirit who lives in us is constantly reminding us and reassuring us and allowing us to make sure we remember. Heaven is going to be tear free. It's going to be time free. It's gonna be trouble-free. Down the road, we're gonna do a series on heaven and hell and the hereafter, and we're gonna talk more about those things, but for now, just think about it. Heaven is tear-free, how many are up for that? Time-free, I'm really up for that. Trouble-free, we're all up for that. That's what heaven's gonna be. It's gonna be a place of extraordinary comfort. Notice his presence talked about here in verses 15, 16, and 17. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, it says here another advocate. In some translations, it says a comforter. In other translations, it says a counselor. All really great words that speak to the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. I will send you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Think his abiding presence. The Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go, wherever you go. How many, when you leave home without your cell phone, start to panic? I mean, you break out in a rash. And I mean, it's really, really bad. You can never go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. How many like the sounds of that? When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you, in our lives. And His job, one of His major jobs, is not only to comfort, but, but also to point us to Jesus, to remind us about the power and the presence of Christ in our life. He is our comforter, He cares. He shows compassion, he's our counselor, he shows truth and guidance. He's our advocate, he defends, he stands up for us. God guides, God provides, and he abides. And then chapter 14 talks about the peace of God that's available to us. And the Holy Spirit brings us peace, he speaks peace into our life. Maybe you're going through a really harsh moment right now, a difficult time of anxiety, I want to remind you of what you already know. God is in you. God is with you. And the presence of his Holy Spirit offers peace. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. When Jesus left and went to heaven, he didn't leave us empty-handed or empty-hearted. He left his Holy Spirit. He says, I need to go into heaven so that I can send the Comforter. I can send my spirit who will dwell in you, be in you, thrive in you and through you forever and ever and ever. The second gift God has given is besides the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with us always, everywhere we go, 24-7. The presence of Almighty God is in us through his spirit. Call upon him, depend on him lean into the work of the Spirit in your life. The second gift are the Scriptures. How many love God's Word? Where would we be without the Word of God? You know that as well as I would be. We would would be struggling, you know, aimless. Uh, You know, we would be like a ship without a rudder. Someone once said that Scripture comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Have you heard that before? I think that's good. Scripture comforts the afflicted when we're going through hard times, as many are right now, hard times. Certainly, we have harsh times in our country. Uh, the, the, the Word of God comforts the afflicted, but when we get just a little bit too uh, um, independent and apathetic, the Word of God can afflict the comfortable. Psalm 23 is a scripture that is so comforting to so many of us so often. But how about this scripture, Isaiah 41.10? The Bible's full of scriptures like this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help in you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that a comforting scripture? I will uphold you, I will strengthen you. Wow, we read scriptures like that, it's just so encouraging and it's so comforting and we say, Lord, I believe it, I believe it, I'm depending on it, I'm counting on it, I'm trusting in that scripture. Or how about scriptures like Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God, by his Holy Spirit, will set up a sentinel around our heart and mind and fight off anxiety and protect peace. The Bible is full of comforting, comforting scriptures. But it's also full of guiding scriptures. Sometimes we need to be challenged, sometimes we need to be stirred, sometimes we need to be motivated. And I'm gonna give you just one scripture that I think kind of encapsulates that whole idea and that's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where it says all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, so that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to build us up, strengthen us, and he does so through the word. The word of God is a gift of God that brings great comfort. How does God comfort us? He gives us the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He himself lives in us. He's with us all the time. And he gives us the written scriptures that have changed the trajectory in the life of untold millions throughout history. Think about it. Teaching. God wants us to understand the ways and the life of the kingdom. He wants to teach us. So we go to the word of God and we read it so that we can learn. What are the ways of the kingdom? What are the ways of the kingdom? And we go to the parables of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus where he tells stories which are really windows, a glimpse into the principles of kingdom living. And so we read the Old Testament, we read the New Testament, and we learn from the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible writers what it means to be faithful and a follower of God. And the Bible also rebukes us. When we do the wrong things, we need someone to speak into our lives, right? Ever been a part of an intervention where you've gotten together with people and said, man, you gotta change. Uh, To be rebuked is not something perhaps we look forward to, but it's what we need, if that's what we need. And the Word of God will rebuke us. It will rebuke us. It will challenge us. When we sin, we need reproof and discipline. We can make whatever decisions we want, but we can't pick the consequences we want because every decision has its own consequence. And if we make wrong decisions, poor choices, and end up going in a bad way, that's gonna bring lots and lots of unfavorable consequences. And the Bible wants to help keep us from that and encourage us to make right choices. But when we do make the wrong choices, we need to be corrected. When we get off course, we need to get back on course. Every loving parent will correct their child. They'll get them back on the straight and narrow, moving in the right direction if they find themselves becoming a bit wayward. Correcting. Correcting in righteousness. And then training. Scripture changes us from the inside out. I want to challenge you, if you have yet to develop a habit of regular Bible reading, Scripture reading, to make a point of that, starting today, starting tomorrow, There's something that happens when we feed on the Word of God. How many like to eat food? How many are going to eat something later today? The Bible is spiritual food. If some of you don't eat and miss one meal, you think you're going to starve to death. Not true. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to starve to death. But if you don't eat ever again, you will starve to death. And yet when we think of spiritual food, we kind of think the Bible is optional, it's a requirement. Amen? It's amen? It's a requirement. And so I ask you, are you feasting, feeding regularly on the Word of God? I love Psalm 1. I love Psalm 19. I saw, love Psalm 119. You know, lots of ones and nines there. They just kind of go together. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of mockers or walk in the way of sinners but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by living water who gives fruit in season his leaf does not wither not so the wicked they're like a chaff that the wind blows away how about Psalm 19 the law of the Lord is perfect reviving refreshing giving light to the eyes. How about Psalm 119, 9 and 11? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Your word I have hid in my heart. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That verse right there is the first verse I remember ever memorizing as a kid. And I thought about that this week. I don't know that there's a more important verse other than the verses about Jesus, but that one about the importance of scripture has driven me in a particular direction with my life that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Somebody said, God's word will keep us from sin, but sin will keep us from God's word. Do you believe that? I think there's some truth to that. God's word builds boundaries in our life and moves us in a God-honoring, wise direction. And when we sin, we kind of just don't want to hear from God or get into God's word. Something to think about. The final gift that I want us to think about here today is his church. You and me, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. God has given us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, as a a gift. He's the comforter. He lives in us. When we're down and discouraged, the Spirit of God is at work in our life. He wants to remind us of Scripture. He wants to remind us of the goodness of God. He wants to point us to the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God is alive and stirring us every single moment of every single day once we become a Christian. When you accept Jesus into your life, he comes into your life by his spirit. His spirit takes up residency in your life and walks with you every moment of every day. And the scriptures, when we feast on them, begin to change us. They change our thinking. They change our mindset. They change our set. They change our priorities. They change our focus. The word of God is so vitally important. What a great gift of God. It brings us comfort. Even when we're off track and it challenges us, it's comforting to know that God, by his word, is gonna point us in the right direction. And the church, the body of Christ, fellow believers, is another way that God encourages and comforts. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit for some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Just kind of take a look at that phrase by phrase for a moment. We are to come together and stir up one another to love and to do good works, to do good deeds. As you come to church, I want to encourage you to kind of maybe change the dial a little bit and say, hey, I'm here to be an encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ. By just showing up, that's an encouragement, so thank you for being here. And I speak on behalf of all of us. We have a wonderful church family, and it's largely because of you, each and every one of you. But as we come, find ways to encourage one another. It says to meet and encourage. Now, we can meet and not encourage. Uh, We cannot meet and not encourage, but we're encouraged to meet and encourage. So let me encourage you before you leave today to find someone to encourage. How many caught the fact that I used the word encourage quite a few times there? We, we really, in, in, in one sense, are a really big support group. Encouraging, building each other in our faith, helping to, to reaffirm and, uh, and, uh, and remind each other of what's most important to God and to be the people he's called us to be. To live and to love and to lead like Jesus. And to put him first in our lives. And we do this with a steady eye on the fact that the day of his second coming is fast approaching. He's coming back again soon. But until he does, we want to spend our life encouraging. Reaching the lost together and reaching one another together. Look at this verse 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. There's another challenge to encourage. You know, may I encourage you to be a contributor, not just a consumer. So many people come to church and they're just consuming, consuming, consuming. You know, I think a consumer mentality can lead to a critical spirit. Because if you're there just to consume, it's you know, before long you're gonna say, well, the greeters didn't smile enough, the sermon wasn't good enough, the singers weren't awesome enough, the child care wasn't this enough, the building wasn't clean enough, the this wasn't that enough. You know, you just kind of become a little bit critical. If you become a contributor, you become more of a, of a builder and an encourager. And you say, How can I be a blessing? I have been blessed to be a blessing. How can I be a blessing in my church? This is your church. This is your church. If you're new and you've come twice, you are now a regular attender. How many like the sound of that? I mean, seriously, because we're so glad that you're here. And, and you don't need to earn your strike. We're just glad that you're here. Jump in. Let's go. And many of you are involved in VBS, and many of you will be involved. in uh, you know, the summer bash coming up in August as we reach out to those that are down and out and going through a tough time with food and, and uh, you know, medical and all sorts of backpacks for school and so forth. And so we contribute. We're contributors That's so important. So let me challenge you here this summer, even. I was talking to a gentleman just this morning who kind of spoke to this. Let me let me just challenge you to reach out and invite someone to church. You know that there are people all around that will come if we just invite them. The statistics are in our favor. If we invite, people will come. Hopefully the sermon will be good enough. They'll come back. That's another thing. But they'll come. In all seriousness. We wanna help people learn about Jesus. We want people to hear the gospel of Jesus, the truth of Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives life. I think and pray hard every week, God help me be clear about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus in the morning, Jesus at night, Jesus all day long. People desperately need Jesus. Amen? Amen? And so we live, love, and lead like Jesus. And as a church, we're, we're focused and consumed with how can we not botch it up but point people to Jesus? He is the one that saves. He is the one that delivers. So reach out and invite someone to church. And then reach in and include someone new to the church. Be on the lookout for new people. Now, if you're new today, say, man, I am have a bunch of people on my back. That's not quite the idea. What I'm trying to say is, in the youth ministry, in our children's ministry, you know, in our young families, uh, and all the way through senior adults. Let's be looking for newer friends that have come and, and just make them feel comfortable and welcome. You know, everybody can do that. And then reach around and encourage someone. You know, reach out and invite. You know, reach in and welcome. And then reach around and encourage. Every time we gather, we pray about this every. Sunday before our services and even through the week. We know that people are dragging into church from a really hard week of real life out there in the middle of whatever they're dealing with. Just lost a job, trouble at home, struggling marriage, difficulty with the kids, finances are upside down. And we wanna do everything we possibly can. And I speak for you to encourage whoever comes through the doors of this church. You matter to God. You matter to us. How can we help? How can we be an encouragement? We want to be a church where everybody is somebody and nobody is alone. And so that's why I talk about the groups. That's why I talk about the classes. Appoint yourself as a leader of a group. We'll help you with all the materials. All you need to do is find one pal. Don't you dare find two. Just one. Just one. And get started. That's the challenge, that's my encouragement. In Ephesians chapter four, 11 and 12, and I close with this, it says, so Christ gave himself apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. The role of the pastor, me, is to equip God's people for works of service to equip you with the teaching of the Word of God, to inspire you, to repair and prepare you to do the work that God has laid on your heart. Imagine if everybody in our church and everybody in every Bible-believing church took up their ministry and went out there and did what God called them to do. Can you imagine the electricity that would flow out of that place, out of that church, and and really throughout our land? So I want to encourage you not to be guilt-ridden by that, but actually see that as a great opportunity to allow God to take you to the next level in your faith. God, how do you want to use me? I've been blessed to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. You have done so much for me, Jesus. You came to earth. You died on the cross. You paid for my sins. I want the rest of my life to be about serving you any and every way I possibly can. That's what we believe. So, I want to encourage you. Think about these three gifts, the Holy Spirit is with you all the time, every moment of every day, to comfort, to give you peace, to remind you of Jesus. The holy scriptures are available. Take advantage of feasting on God's word literally every day. Join me on Facebook as we do a devotional if you're just getting started and and that'll help you kind of jumpstart it. Start in the book of John, just start reading through the gospel. Make your way through the scriptures. And then be a part of God's church, serving, volunteering, thriving, any and every way you can. Remember, God guides, He provides, and He abides. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this question right offhand How many are here today and would say, Pastor Rob, I need comfort? I am anxiety ridden. My life is full of tension right now. I need the comfort of God. I need the peace of God that passeth all understanding to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Maybe things are tough at home. Maybe you've got some important decisions to make. Maybe there's some challenges that are looming large. But you need God's comfort. Would you raise your hand and just hold it high for just a moment? You're raising your hand to God, not to me. You're just taking a step of faith. You're saying, Lord, I'm reaching out to you. I'm asking you to see me and... I know you know all about me. Lord, you see every hand that's raised. And God, we, we take this very personally as a church family to pray for one another. And right now, God, I pray for every person and the circumstances that revolve around their raised hand. You know, God, intimately, them, not only them, but their need. And I pray you'll bring comfort and peace and assurance to their life by your Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, and through brothers and sisters in Christ in our church. Bring comfort, bring peace. With every head bowed and eye closed for another moment, how many would say, Pastor Rob, I need to commit or recommit my life to Christ. The reality is I've become a little lethargic. I've become a little independent. I, uh, I haven't been serious about my faith, but today I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Just lift your hand all over this place. Just lift it high. Just hold it there for just a moment. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Jesus, you see these hands. You know the sincerity of each person's heart and their desire, God, to put their faith in you or to recommit their life to you. I pray, Lord, that as they... Pray with me right now. Jesus, come into my life. Pray that, friends. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. Lord, as they pray that prayer, I pray, God, that you will flood their life with your presence. May your Holy Spirit take up residency in their life. May they begin to thrive and flourish in their new, committed walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed to commit your life or recommit your life to Jesus today, I want you to take one further step and that is fill out that connection card online in the chapel in this meeting space. I want to pray for you this week I want to know about the commitment you made and help you with next steps. Would you do that? I would really, really appreciate it. You can put it in the black boxes as you leave. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. Our prayer team is going to come to the front and maybe you're here today like we prayed a moment ago, and you need comfort and peace, and you'd like to just pray a little bit more about that specifically, our prayer team is here to pray with you. Or maybe you just prayed to commit your life to Christ. Would you do this special favor? And that is step out from where you are and come forward and just say, hey, today I prayed the prayer. We're going to close with a singing of song. Uh, The chapel will close the service and our online host will close as well. But here we're going to sing and then we'll be dismissed in a moment. God bless you. you are my